0: Hi and welcome to a roaring podcast where we interview interesting guests talking about innovation, data, product development and tech. Stay tuned and get some new insights. My name is Pontus Holmberg and I'm your host. It's a pleasure to welcome Oskar Rundqvist who is leading the work of H&M's new digital customer experience. Oscar is a true digital wizard, and I will try to cherry pick some of his insights regarding digital transformation and how to create a world-class customer experience. Stay tuned. Hi, Oscar. Hello. How are you today? Very good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Looking forward for an interesting conversation in in the landscape of data, product innovation, and digitalization. Uh, when I when i started uh yeah doing some research on you uh when we uh decided to to or when you decided to join the podcast uh i noticed that your background is at least from my opinion or at least from my side uh slightly different than uh other people working within this digital landscape you started off within the investment banking industry can you elaborate a little bit around that and especially yeah how how does your journey look uh from there to now and what you've done in between yes
1: definitely um i started at studying in stockholm the stockholm school of economics and then that was like a very traditional move to move into the investment banking so started off uh, within um uh, at lazard um an international investment bank um but then i quite Early on, realized that this is not what I um think is fun. What I what I thought I, that I was, I didn't get the most out out of my creativity, and I didn't look forward to to every day. So then I quite uh, early on realized that I want to to move on and do something else, um, and then uh, started um the companies and also moved to Hitta.se. Uh, where I worked as head of growth. Um, and then also been involved with startups um, uh, along along the journey, and now then working with digital customer experiences at the, at, at h H&M. and and I feel that this is much more um, uh, in line with what I think is fun. Um, so so yeah, maybe not not the typical journey towards tech and digitalization, but uh, yeah, I feel that this is more more me.
0: That's nice. And and how was that transition? I mean, how how did you do sort of uh how did you get those jobs or or you know uh, did they ask you know about your background or did did you know obviously you are obviously have been interested in in the the product uh, side of things and digitalizations but as a banker obviously as you said before if I look at a banker or coming from looking at someone from the investment banking industry it, it's it's a little bit more how would i put it uh not less creative more more analytic and 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 uh steering towards the money yeah how, how yeah. did you do that
1: um no but i i i see, I see your point i think starting off i, I have many friends within uh, investment banking and investment consulting so so i need to uh, pick my words here but and and but i to to i think investment banking and management consulting and those kind of typical uh industries after uh my kind of in, ed- education um i think um they are attracting great people. So I think it's really inspiring to be around really, really smart people and very high-performing uh, individuals. Uh, and I think also learning-wise, uh, you get a great uh, bucket of, of learnings. You, you, get, you, 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 you work long hours, of course, and then you, you really... Uh, you, you, you gain a lot of experience and knowledge within a short period of time. I think that those kind of not even two years, I learned so much that i uh, I use on a daily basis also today. So you learn how to tackle problems, you, you learn how to be structured, you learn how to be prioritize your your time, etc. Uh, but I think then my, how I then moved on and and how I managed to get the, these kind of jobs within within a completely new and other industry is because I've had a background also before um, from startups, starting, starting, starting startups on my own. I've done, um, part-time jobs within other, other industries. So I had, uh, like, a, yeah, experience from other industries since before. And also then when I expressed a lot of interest, um, and curiosity, uh, to other industries, I think that, that maybe was some of the, um, key reasons why I, why I managed to get, to get these jobs early on.
0: Great. And uh, yeah, and as for the record, obviously we love investment bankers. It wasn't a way of. It's just a different. It's just a different kind of 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 job. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you use that experience from the sort of startup uh, world uh, in your sort of daily work today? Is there, obviously, there is a startup is yes, it's a startup. It's a smaller, uh, obviously, an entity than in comparison to H and M. Yeah. Can you use that? Um, Experience that you have from the startup uh, world in your in your work today, and how you run your division today, and and th- then how would you do that?
1: Yes, uh, I think I think I think startup experience, uh, at least to me, has been uh, super valuable uh, experience and and learnings uh, that I I not only apply in my. Um, professional life today but also I would say uh, in my private um, uh, private life um, because you, you learn to be smart when it comes to your time I would say you, you, you learn how to prioritize and to spend time on the things that you think make sense but you also learn how, that you, if you want to enter new ground if you want to challenge things you need to do it by yourself you need to identify new challenges, new opportunities by yourself, and you need to also find the answers by yourself. So you, you learn to really identify problems and opportunities at the same time, um, while maybe if you're um, used to working only at large, large corporates, you are used to this very big network of um, niche uh, colleagues that are really good within these, their areas of expertise and not as many generalists or broader uh, areas of expertise so you're used to like working together with a lot of niche um, uh, experts uh, so that is maybe one thing that you, you learned that, that you need to uh, be very broad and to be quite flexible in your way of working
0: interesting so at your current job today, uh, you, you're taking obviously bits and pieces from the startup world. But I could just imagine that, uh, obviously, a big company uh, such as H&M, they they have this division because they want to to move forward. They want to to do the leaps in in terms of creating world class products to to do the innovation that's needed to to sort of face competition. Do they also sort of? also allow for you to 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 you know be that creative can you can you can can you, can you sense that you're actually within a startup but obviously in in a sort of within a big ecosystem
1: yes i think actually one thing that we are we are applying now internally is that we're applying something that we call uh, the co-founder mindset so that it as is that we, when we now enter new ground we all together um, across our company are co-founders of the next uh, version of our company uh, meaning that we all need to take responsibility and ownership of, of uh, yeah uh, renewing ourselves and our company uh, and I think it's so cool to see like when you manage to mix a startups speed in in solving problems and identifying problems and a large corporate muscles you you, you you get I think you become really really hard to beat because sometimes you you said I oh, guess yeah, startups will 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 uh, eat up all the large corporates because large corporates are so 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 uh, slow but you could also turn that around like since large corporates are big they have much more resources Uh, you could also argue that they should be able to be faster than startups so when 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 you manage to mix that and when you manage to run together which i really believe that we do currently at HNAM, you you uh, yeah you you can experience tremendous speed in in uh, renewing uh, things and, and, and uh, progressing uh, and find, identifying new growth, new opportunities, and in the end, a new customer value.
0: Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. I guess that you don't need to, to chase and raise capital within H&M, but, but because you, you, if, there, if a project is sort of well-defined and, and obviously you, you have a common ground for it, then you can go ahead and drive that which is slightly more convenient uh, rather than you have a great idea and then you know there's a lot of hassle around to take that idea to become actually a fruitful product or whatever it is
1: yep fully agree and i think much of it is a, is a mindset thing that when you as a big company manage to apply on a broad broad scale uh, the mindset of curiosity and willingness to 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 uh, renew um, I think that is when when you manage to really get speed in your growth journey
0: yeah yeah so I think that you know me working uh, with data uh, and how to how to use data to 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 support uh, digital processes and to, to support innovation for yeah our customers etc I'm just curious on how, how much do you use data in your sort of work to to, to create those digital Uh, new experiences or or products is data sort of crucial for you in in your sort of field and and with your division
1: yes for sure Um, I think data is is a a new like hygiene factor you you need to incorporate data in basically everything that you do Um, maybe one challenge being a big company compared to a smaller company is that you get so much data so you need to like pick and choose what sources um, are the most important ones, and how do they connect uh, and relate to each other, etc. So you need to structure it, which is a problem that smaller companies don't face, for example. Um, but I think, yeah, the, using data in in uh, and like in all decisions that, that that you take as a company these days, I, I would say is a no-brainer. Um, and I think it's it's because it's just making things so much simpler. Historically, if if gut feelings has been a key uh, driver when when taking decisions Uh, these days it's so much simpler and you're taking shortcuts towards the right decisions when you incorporate data in as much as you do but then i think also if you want to experience true innovation sometimes you also need to don't forget i would say gut feeling Uh, because if you don't incorporate gut feeling before you even test things then you would only base on historic and previous patterns and you, you wouldn't manage to break uh, new um patterns and new ground
0: so you've got a lot of data obviously uh, at h&m and do you is it, it it is it simple for you to 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 get access to those insights from your bi teams or etc or is that a how how does that work? Do you, do you can you go and knock on the door and say, hey, I would like like to to get consumer data insights regarding this and this, or or how does that process work for you when when yeah when you want to make data driven decisions? Uh, how how accessible is this pile of data or insights that that are created within the BI warehouse at H and M?
1: No, but we have we have many great teams working with data in different areas of our of our company, um, and they are it's it's very accessible. I guess data can always be even more accessible and even more structured and even more translated into decision making formats. Um, but uh, yeah, for us it basically works that we we ident- identify um, opportunities and then we look what kind of data we have and and then we apply. All the possible data we have to to base to take as much uh, uh, yeah as good decisions as possible based on that data. Um, but as I said, I think sometimes could be a challenge that when you are uh, too big or or very big, you have so much data that you need to also find great ways to structure the data. Um, that you don't uh, yeah, which is challenge I said you don't face as a smaller company. But yeah, very accessible. But of course, I guess all companies these days uh, could and can improve to structure and translate uh, raw data into decision-making formats even more.
0: So in your opinion, taking your sort of experience from the startup world, uh, potentially also from an investment banking world now, because now I want to talk a little bit about money and, and, money and digitalization and innovation, because... For me, digitalization, innovation, product development, th- those sort of concepts, innovation—they often tend to. I use them very frequently, and we're talking about customer onboarding processes. We're talking about customer experience. So there's a, there's a pile of of statements or or words that buzzwords that I throw in here and there, and. I'm just a little bit curious in, in, in your take on digitalization. How does that create business? How does that does how does it relate to actually support revenue streams, et cetera? We are talking about data. So that's I understand that. That's taking decisions based on data, using that data to enhance your product development, to enhance your customer experience, but still, it's still quite intangible, at least for me. How, do you have any take on that? how How do you, how does all the work that you are doing, and and that all the product people and 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 uh, you know innovation managers out there are doing how how can that sort of relate to actually support the business growth?
1: I think that
0: um, when it comes to
1: d- data, of course, it's it's uh, in 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 the core of everything that we do these days. Uh, um, and and that's applicable for all companies, of course. But I think sometimes maybe you said like how do data translates into money. I think the most important thing, at least for me, working with customer experiences, is to measure non-transactional behaviors. I think if you focus on too much on on only tracking and follow do your follow-ups on on transactions, I think you tend to be potentially shor- short-term minded. That if you, we could maximize sales, um, of course, but if we would forget to track and, and follow up the, the things earlier on in the funnel that leads to these transactions, we would lose long term. So I think it's even more yeah. important to track and follow what's the, the behavior that leads to these transactions and ensure that we have a positive uh, trend when it, when it comes to those kind of behaviors. For example, getting customers to visit you, getting customers to stay with you, getting customers to refer to your site—those kind of behaviors that are more long-term behaviors that, in the later in the funnel, will lead to transactions. Um, yeah. I think some companies maybe tend to focus too much on the latter part of of, of, uh, of the funnel. If that uh, answers your 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 question,
0: my question was long, complicated, and, <laughs> and potentially. But, but uh, you're. It, it answer it and, and it's really interesting because you, I, I think you said it well that often uh, you, you tend to focusing on on you, you do the link between data or the analytic part of things and then you link that to to the transaction which then ultimately will be the dollar sign in the end but I think that focusing on, on the behavioral aspect of the interaction with the customers and what the customer is actually doing on your site or uh, various channels uh, is a long-term investment and it's a long-term transaction creator. So at your daily work today, obviously I'm guessing that this is then sort of a known factor for H&M or for, for your managers as well. So are they allowing sort of that mindset to, to? they do understand that you, you educated them that because you, you can Put a lot of resources in in identifying and tracing all those transaction based uh, behavior but if if you are looking at those sort of softer values that a, a customer is is uh, doing and interacting with you are, are would you say that that's a concept that is yeah uh, commonly understood
1: yes number no, I, I definitely um, I think it's also. One reason is that maybe it's, hard, it's quite hard to, to, to track, track this, this behavior. Let's take an example like Voj. Most people in Sweden uh, at least know about Voj, electric scooters. Maybe one of their most valuable customers may, is may potentially someone that never does any rides him or herself, herself. but rather someone that just walks around the, the streets of Stockholm, for example, and just tells and recommends everyone about this really, really cool opportunity to take electric uh, bike rides uh, instead of cabs or, or uh, yeah, so so maybe the best customer is someone that actually doesn't buy anything, but rather recommends and promotes others to ride so that in, indirectly that customer leads to a lot of transactions, but th- that behavior itself is not transactional. And that is really hard to track. Um, so I think those kind of challenges is also interesting for companies in the future, how to how to target and identify super important customers that are not trackable uh, through transactions.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And for me, it sounds impossible to to get hold of them or to understand who they are. But but do you have some concepts around how you would sort of, yeah, tackle that or or or, or clo- uh, getting closer to that?
1: Uh... I, th- I think some ways, like affiliate mm-hmm. models are, are one way, like, use digitally at least working with with unique uh, uh, links uh, so that you can link uh, behaviors and new transactions and customers to specific people Uh, word of mouth of course uh, harder but then maybe you can work with similar ways of like yeah recommending codes or something but Definitely, definitely hard, but I'm sure that that will be a big part in the future. How to work with these kind of uh, micro influencers or micro ambassadors uh, on a broader scale? Maybe that's the next wave of, of of the gig gig economy.
0: I I remember this is a long time ago now, but I remember when I was younger, or I I, I, I used to wear we the the brand We. and if I'm not I'm I'm potentially I'm making up this example now, but I think that they were Using sort of ambassadors, I think it was uh Mickey Pashbrandt, or and, and and sort of famous people that that obviously were using their clothes. Uh, I, interesting here is that that wouldn't potentially inspire me to 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 buy clothes, but if I if I would see people that I, not people but but groups that I I think that I belong to, I would potentially be more. Uh, willing to to sort of purchase or, or like that. In, in my opinion, is obviously, normally you would think about an influencer. You know, okay, an influencer. But still, I'm super aware that this person is an influencer and is potentially obviously making money. But I'm just fetching, you know, if I would see someone in H&M clothes that I like uh, that is not an influencer, <laughs> And that I know that hasn't been paid, this is just a uh, hen or the egg,
1: yeah, yeah, no but I think it's much also about like the credible source yeah. then, and I think it, I guess that's also how naked grew with micro influencers around like two or three thousand. I think maybe the next wave will be rather two or three hundred followers, like girl or boy next door marketing um which would be really cool, but hard to hard to scale, of course. But uh, I think that could be if if I would have people in my Instagram feed with like two or three hundred followers, and they would promote something, I would be much more intrigued to click than if a follower like with hundred plus thousand followers would recommend something.
0: No, I agree. Uh, so, fashion meets technology is one of my uh, notes that I that I had and in your case it actually is true that fashion meets technology and product and in innovation so you've touched on it before but i know that uh, when we, sp- we spoke before you you actually i think you said something interesting a, a concept or a, a change in in how you would see uh, merchandising e-merchandising and in in relation to social media that if I understand you correct, uh, and you also wrote an interesting article on it in, that you posted on LinkedIn, that those two are actually not separated. They are obviously merging into something uh, to become a, a one <laughs> entity. You're, you you do not do your online shopping uh, in an eShop and you do not only uh, do things uh, in social media. Today, if I understood you're correct, they, they're actually merging and that's I guess that's an opportunity, but I guess it's also it's a big sort of challenge for for the whole industry.
1: Yes, challenge or opportunity? I think I think it like I think definitely that the, the line between social media and e commerce is disappearing, and I think it's um, because everything online in, in some ways are become is becoming shop- shoppable, uh, because customers are more and more seeking convenience, so they want as uh, like one stop shop. Uh, experience like uh, yeah they they, they don't don't want to move around uh, for their different needs and i think that's what we really see on social media because social media has since a while back realized that they are providing a lot of inspiration to customers that in the end leads to transactions but until recently those transactions have been made somewhere else now uh, it's a huge social media push that they want to keep the the, the checkout behavior also within their ecosystem, which, of course, is a huge um, uh, risk to all e-commerce sites that are dependent on that the checkout behaviors are, are done within their ecosystems. So I think the, 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 the move or the corresponding move that e-commerce players should and maybe will, will do is to uh, do the same thing. But instead of going from inspirational... Parts of the customer journeys to the uh, transactional ones, we, we did the, the other way around. So, from from being really good at the transactional latter part to also capturing parts and behaviors and time spent on the earlier parts before customers actually know what they're looking for. Um, because going forward, I'm sure that uh, social media, e commerce, it will be a merge and new spaces created where customers find this community-building experiences, where they blend their inspirational uh, way of of, uh, spending time online with transactions. Uh, So going forward, I definitely think that what you said in the beginning, like tech meets fashion, I think it's about uh, managing to build as entertaining experience as possible to keep as much uh, or to earn as much as possible of customers' time online. Because if you manage to earn their time you will also get their transactions
0: rather than only be uh, quotation mark only be a a um, merchandising platform uh, you should also be something else uh, as a hybrid yes. uh, sort of inspiring and I- i'm not talking about that you have cool photos of of your product but inspiring in, in interacting with the with your potential customer and that the customer i'm guessing is expecting something from from the company rather than going on social media and get inspired there you need to create something that will sort of compete or <laughs> give the end user or the potential customers uh, the ability to to get inspired but not only at social media you want to own them or you want to you want to drive them towards your platform but your platform i guess when we are talking if we will have a, this conversation in five years, potentially, we don't see h H&M and or, or other vendors as a merchandising platform. They might be something else. They've evolved to something else. Yeah,
1: I, I think you can do a comparison also to physical spaces. Uh, today, we have some main shopping streets or shopping areas in, in, key, in, in all cities. So that is where customers go. That is where customers spend time physically, because that is where they, yeah, where they are attracted to most things. They're the best like coffee shops, the best, uh, yeah, basically the, the things that gets them to want to, want to be there. Online today, the main shopping street is uh, social media, where customers spend 28% of their time. Entertainment, gaming, that is the main shopping street. So that is where customers spend time. I think, and, and everyone wants, of course, to be on the main, main shopping street where customers hang out, because then you also have the possibility to keep them within your scope of, of influence so that you can build a long-term customer relationship. Um, I think it's not enough these days to only have a transactional relationship with your customers. You need to have a more end-to-end uh, relationship that will be more, more meaningful
0: and more long-term. Interesting. And also trust, I guess, goes into that.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, to, to earn, to earn, to earn. And, and also because trust, I think trust is a, is a huge thing early on in the customer journey, especially these days with like fake news, etc. That you, you hang out in places where you know that you can trust what you see so that you don't need to question uh, what you get your inspiration from.
0: Yeah, cool. So trying to get back to sort of not your role but what one word in your uh, role is digital customer experience so yeah how do you create that world class customer experience that that's obviously it's a, if if you had a full answer to that yeah you <laughs> if we had it we would be on bahamas and and sipping on a drink but i guess that we touched on it but i think you know what's the ingredients for creating that world class customer experience in terms of this in this digital landscape then i think
1: of course as you say very broad and difficult question uh, i think like some some reflections at least is that i think that you need to know what's out there you need to use everything in your space that your customers use because then you know what they're used to and you know what they appreciate from other similar solutions so that you can basically pick reasons from different things and build a, a good um, overall experience. And, and also, I think it's uh, the smoothness. Like, it, it, you want the experience to be very smooth and you want all noise eliminated. No noise. I, I know when I use apps or custom experiences, I hate when I see areas that I think is unnecessary. You don't want that. You don't have time to to unnecessary buttons or navigation bars or you want it to be Uh, to the point because you want it to be convenient and you want it to be relevant so maybe smooth and eliminate the noise would be two two things to have a short answer
0: no no but but i can i can make a sort of a link to to what we are working with or what i'm working with um onboarding it's basically an onboarding process that is as you say smooth Uh, I've seen examples, obviously not from the fashion industry, but from from banking industry and and the uh, financial industry, asking me a lot of questions to become a customer. But I know that, you know, you asked for my uh, social security number and then I'm supposed to fill in my address and I'm supposed to fill in a lot of details manually into a form. Uh, But I've already given you my personal number. So why don't you just you know be clever and use the personal number or a civic number that is then obviously linked to a lot of different data sources that would you know do the onboarding process in 5 seconds rather than me to fill in the informations that is already known potentially would be known for 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 the company uh, that's just an example where I, I i agree with you that smoothness is you know it's it's the word i think
1: i agree and, and to risk, i think if to respect the customers and users time yep. because time is like especially younger uh, users these days they're like, like the patience level is, is, uh, is very low so you need to like every second counts every second that a user these days spend on something that is unnecessary it in the end causes frustration so you need to be very cautious with how you uh, take um and spend your users time um, and I, mean, I think maybe uh, uh like previous generations aren't that uh, uh, sensitive to spending time online with unnecessary tasks but the younger customers definitely are and i think if you waste their time you will uh, lose the, the users and customers
0: i agree and i think that I understand that things might be complicated for some onboarding processes, but I think talking to someone 16, 15, 18 years old, they're just expecting that it's gonna work because, and and I think the challenge for for us working with this field is that you have good examples where things is very super smooth uh, because it might be simpler processes, less complex, but for the end user and that generation, they don't care whether you know your onboarding process is complex because there is a regulatory framework that is controlling it they are just expecting you know to sign up for a banking service or whatever it is it's going to be as simple as sign up uh, or login to to whatever services uh, with facebook login system or google login system that so i think it's the generation
1: yeah Exactly. I I think it's like smooth and eliminated noise is two things. And the third then that I would then mention also is like expected relevancy compared to I think users these days are spoiled, I think, in a good way when it comes to relevancy. Because, for example, then the usage of TikTok, if a user sees two or three clips in a row uh, that are not relevant, they bounce. So, they're used to super and highly uh, relevant experiences all the time. Uh, so, I think that is also that they expect super uh, accurate relevancy algorithms and, and personalization experiences that is also, of course, uh, putting a lot of challenges to data companies do this, but I think it's exciting challenges. And on that, I think it's a co- cool trend right now where, customer, where companies are starting to even more let customers create their own relevancy. Look at Spotify. How you you, all Spotify app experiences are unique because you users create different kind of playlists, follow different artists, etc. So all experiences are hundred percent unique. Same thing now with like of course Instagram. You follow your own accounts, but also like Facebook when you they've started to open up even more to like indicate if this content is relevant to you or not, so that you can they can like blend the human led. Personalization with the data-led personalization that so that, that that mix creates a really cool relevancy loop. So so relevancy is the third, third uh, thing that I would add to this uh, short answer on how to create great customer
0: experience. Now we have now we have the now we have the foundation for for a new company. No, but that that's <laughs> very interesting. And then when you're talking about relevance, what strikes me then is uh, mentioning algorithms to to obviously support greater relevance and what's your take on, I'm using it as a buzzword now, you know, AI machine learning uh, and, and those sort of concepts and technologies, is that something that, you know, from your perspective are looking into potentially are using? Yes um, I think
1: AI and machine learning uh, is or at least should be relevant to all companies um, these days and um, but I think that the conditions has changed quite a lot. I'm thinking about, for example, cookie consent, GDPR, those kind of things that, in ways, makes it more challenging to get enough data um, to 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 uh, enable the full potential of this technology. So that is also one of the reasons I think reasons I think to to why this human led personalization I talked about before is coming uh, even more now because it's a shortcut basically towards creating the same level of relevant experiences by you doing it together with customers so basically opening up the personalization algorithms transparently and letting the customers help you on an individual level to improve them and keep them up to date uh, and then it's very then consent driven of course
0: yes yeah, you said gdpr <clears throat> cookie consent it, it's it's they're not making it easier for 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 companies to to understand their their customer and, and potentially for some good reasons but there's good intention obviously because there's a legal aspect of it today when we sit down and and do innovation conceptual, conceptualizations we have great ideas but they're often stuck into that legislation sort of hinder with with the doesn't matter whether it's, you know, you need to be compliant or you need to be obviously respectful uh, in how you're using your data. But I, I, just, I can sense that, at least for me, it, it hinders me because I have a ton of great ideas which I know that we can develop that would create this and this value. But we might not be able to do it because then we are obviously breaching uh, some, yeah, regulations. Which is just a yeah, it's 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 a challenge. There's a pile of good things lying on the on the shelf, but that we cannot sort of utilize because of those regulatory challenges. Yeah,
1: no, but new, yeah, exactly. New 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 conditions to to um, to work with. Um, but I think it also, uh, like I said, opens up new opportunities to instead turn this around and and let customers uh, do it do it. Um, for themselves, basically, which is in a way, in ways, much more accurate ways of reaching personalized experiences. Um, so I, I think it's really interesting times, and and uh, but as you say, yeah, new new conditions. Yeah.
0: Before I let you go, uh, and this is also this one million dollar question, but since you already delivered the the, the prior ones, uh, if I would sort of share a pick your brain for one or two sort of or three. Key takeaways from your point of view, you know, in, in in regards to creating this customer experience and how how to sort of be successful in, in developing sort of world class products. Is there any sort of short key findings that you can just, at least from your point of view? What what's your sort of mantra? What's what's sort of your concept in your head when you are working on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, again, big big question, uh, but really exciting topic. Uh, except uh, the smoothness, eliminated noise, and the, the relevance in the experience, I would maybe add um, a bit of surprise, that you need to surprise the customer. If you build an experience that is the same every time, that is not, nothing new is happening, uh, you want to get uh, the customer to open the app very often, you, and, and, and you want to get the customer intrigued to, to be a frequent uh, user. I think that building a customer experience that is reliable, uh, the customer knows what to get and is stable, but also that every session, every experience um, includes a surprise. I think that is a way to also build loyal users and long-term very sticky uh, user rela- relationships combined with a really cool Contrib- contribution model, how you can learn from customer interaction and continuously, ideally in real time, as in, for example, Spotify app, improve the customer experience to let the customer uh, make the relevant experience for you. I think that could be a good, maybe short, short answer, uh, but super exciting topic and, and could, could continue for, for long here.
0: Thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure and uh, yeah, take care and have a good day. Thank you, Mons. You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring Podcast by Roaring IO. If you liked it, share it with a friend or a colleague. We would also love to stay connected with you. Please feel free to subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.